Blog Talk Radio.
so they blocked my whole live. So hopefully if anybody was on there, they'll carry over to here. Um, normally John Stevens comes on with me the third Tuesday of every month to talk about paranormal events, but he's coming with me today because um, it's my first day back. Um, so I am glad that he is able to come on the air with me. If y'all don't know John Stevens, he is the founder of the Facebook page Virginia Paranormal Events. So what John does, well, we, you know, shoot the brief, but then we also talk about upcoming events um, that, you know, people need to know about, upcoming paranormal events. So without further ado, I'm going to put John Stevens on right now so we can get started because we only have 55 whole minutes to talk. Are you there? I didn't think, yes, I didn't think this day would ever get here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm saying that because uh, you have been through the ringer, and yeah, uh, we had a good thing going until uh, Vertigo. Yeah. So yeah. We need to. We'll get the ball back going and rolling, and then it'll just go back downhill again, and it'll all be good. Yeah. It 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 has definitely been a life-changing event for me, something that I'm not used to, um, you know. So I go to a specialist at the end of July. One of my friends and his wife are going to drive me to Florida so that I can see a specialist, and he specializes in stuff like this. So hopefully I'll get answers. But I've already ha- – I have it in my mind if I don't, you know, because there's always that possibility, then I'm just going to have to deal with this situation. There's nothing that I'm going to be able to, I'm not going to another doctor because that'll be the sixth one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. And what's so, about, I, what's I, about a great uh, uh, live that Dennis was doing with Eric Knapp at the cabin? Yeah. It, Yep, and I was like, ooh, I didn't want to get off of that. But I knew that I had to to come to come on the air with you, you know, because I've been waiting for that moment, too. So I'll, I'll be able to go back and watch it, and I'm sure you will, too, on the rest of it. But, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, he ought to do that more often. In fact, if we could get those people to just slide right on over to this show, that would be a great thing. Yeah, that really would. We'll have to try to do that. <laughs> Um, so I've just been doing the normal thing that I do, and that is getting myself around to as many events as I can and, uh, doing some things, uh, new events, uh, knocking these things off my bucket list one at a time. And I've started small and, um, People all the time that have been to every place you could possibly imagine in the paranormal field, and and it really uh, jealousy is not the right word, but you know, it, it I am envious of all the places that uh, that some people have been, and, and I'll give you a prime example. We had a uh, Steve Dills had. Um, really it was open for anyone that wanted to come out. Uh, kind of a paranormal get-together dinner out at the Hanover Tavern one night. 
And I got to sit with a good friend of mine, Bill Roop, who Bill and Sherry uh, go around. They go to almost every event I go to. I mean, it's amazing. They go to many more as well. But and and the sad news is I just found out is that they're moving to Ohio. And so us here in Virginia are going to be, uh, that's a loss for us because Bill and his wife are not only fine people, but great investigators and just, they're at everything. I mean, I, I didn't even know who they were, but I just kept seeing them at all these events. And then finally, you know, you get to know somebody and just realize, uh, I should have gotten to know you a lot earlier because you're a pretty pretty cool dude, you know. And and so he's going to be missed. And I told him, I said, well, there's places in Ohio that I need to investigate. And so now I have a place to stay when I come up there. So, uh, but we were talking about all the all the places that he had him and his wife have been, and it was every kind of asylum and hospital um, that you can ever imagine. And, and they've been to a lot of these places multiple times. And I, and so I'm going to, I'm going to get there, uh, but a little slow. Um, yeah. And I, and there's, like the there's so many, there's so many places here uh, in Virginia, in Virginia, and so many good places in this central Virginia area. Um, yeah. I did an event a couple of weeks ago at Pamplin Park. Yeah, I missed and, that one. John John, yeah. John Sullivan is saying hello to you, just so you'll know. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to have to read off any comments or anything because I haven't – I can't see uh, the comments. Yeah. Um, John has a has a good thing going on at um they're they're getting ready to go to uh, Hensdale House uh, this oh, nice. uh, Fourth of July. Uh, yeah, they've got the Hensdale oh, wow. House up in New York, and that's on my bucket list. And I told him, I said, if I can't go this year, I'm gonna go next year. I'm gonna sneak in the car if I have to, and then we'll hit some places. So right. Um, he's also got a good thing uh, with uh, Bell Grove Plantation and King George, right in, right on the, uh, right, right across from Port Royal. Uh, um, it's on three off of three hundred one. Uh, Bell Grove Plantation okay. sits right on the Rappahannock, and they have, uh, well, they were doing weekly tours uh, slash investigations, and John and his wife. Uh, excuse me, not wife. Uh, their his partner, uh, Sandra. They are both uh, uh, great investigators, and they are leading uh, those yeah. investigations. John um, John wanted I to know if right. you are. Sorry, John wanted to know if you're coming with them to Hensdale next year. Next year, that is a strong possibility. I really, really want to do Hensdale and and uh, 
they typically go with John Harris and and them uh, with RVA Paranormal, which is uh, I say we get a I say we get a group of people and go and do a caravan. See, I, I've there. never been there. Yeah, I've never been there. I don't I don't know anything about it. I guess I'm going to have to have John Sullivan on my show to explain some things. <laughs> right, John? Yeah, okay. Uh, you bring all of me. He's he's one of these people that's done a lot of places too. So um, yeah, you ever get a you ever get a chance to investigate with John and Sandra? They're they're great people and and they do. Well, a great we did thing get a chance Delta. to investigate. I got a chance to investigate with John Sullivan one time. You know where? At, at the yeah well, yeah we'll just leave that nameless. <laughs> Not saying anything. Yeah, the meeting of the Johns, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But that was a we, cool uh, investigation. That, that was a really was. cool investigation. Yeah, it, it was It was a there lot were, of fun, but it was also very educational at the same time. I mean, you know, that's what it's about, too. Yes, yes. And the, uh, the Hensdale House is uh, – the owner of the Hensdale House, and, and uh, forgive me, I, the, uh, uh, I can't remember his first name, Klaus, is his last, um, gosh, I can't even remember the paranormal group he's with. That's really crazy. Anyway, <laughs> they had, uh, they were on TV. And he bought the Hensdale House, and now he shares it with people. Um, you can rent it for the night, much like people do with the, Cabin on 360, uh, that can be rented out as well. And John right. was there with, we were at um, Brandy Station at uh, Fleetwood Church last September, I believe. September mm-hmm. or October, I can't remember which. Um, doing the uh, Paracon there. And uh, they were there, and John made that reservation. I was there when he did it. Made that reservation to get the Hensdale House for July Fourth weekend. So, John uh, um, said. John said that Daniel, Daniel Blais, I hope I'm right. Is the owner of the Hensdale House? Yes, Daniel. Am I Daniel right? Thank you. Am I saying that? Did I say that right? I hope I didn't mess well, that up too bad. People understand. Yes. Class, class. Forgive me if I said the, it wrong. Um, the Pamplin Park thing that I did, I will I will say this. So I am now marketing what they call a uh, a PST is the large one and the PSR is the small one, and that stands for mm-hmm. Paranormal Sweat Towel and Paranormal Sweat Rag. So <laughs> <laughs> when I mean to tell you that it was hot and humid and sweaty, only made worse because the air conditioning, well, the power went out and the air conditioning stopped working in the buildings. Oh. But yeah, uh-huh. I only did a Just happened to go walk. It, no, not only did I walk myself to death at night, it was hot, 
And when I went in, you go in some of these houses to investigate. I went into this one house, the uh, the Hart House, for the first time to investigate. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it was like 90 degrees in that house. Oh, and wow. I yeah, it, it was. Yeah. You know, after 10 minutes of, of, of being there, everybody was sweaty. And I'm talking about everybody that was investigating there that night. Everybody was sweaty. If there was no getting around it, everybody was going to be in the same boat. So, um, it was still a lot of fun. I, I would just say that, and that is a great. I don't have to tell people that have been there. Fun of a location that is. I just heard that another major paranormal group is going to be coming in and hooking up possibly with Dennis to help put on a major event there coming up. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, I just, I, I, I knew I wouldn't have been able to with my, with what I've got going on with this side that I wouldn't have been able to, I don't think that I would have been able to tolerate the heat and I wouldn't have been able to, you know, I just I don't think that I would have been I wouldn't have done well there right now. So, but I I, I really hated missing it because I was looking forward to that. And there's a lot of things that I haven't been able to go to because of what's going on. Uh, we had some cool cool stuff happen. I, uh, and I can only speak for what happened in my group and and some people that I've talked to. Um, I was uh, uh, Lyle Lott and. And Tana and Brandon uh, Johnson, who all with Haunted Nights Paranormal, Twisted Paranormal, um, they were there assisting with the groups and everything um, as a favorite of Dennis, I think. Um, yeah. But they're, they're, you know, again, paranormal unity. Everybody works um, to help each other. Um, there's no finer example than Dennis S. Locke and and uh and the lots and uh what Hunter Knights does. But in speaking with Lyle he was telling me that they had actually gotten lost and trying to get back. They you know uh it was at night, they were on the path and they missed the turn and they just kept walking down the path. The path that path was going to four hundred acres of nothing. But he said oh, wow. that they heard um, it sounded like somebody called out a regiment, and he had to stop oh, and, wow. and and got that confirmed with uh, his wife said said the same thing. Um, that was pretty cool awesome. when I when I was in, yeah. when I was in the um, visitor center. I broke off from everybody else and kind of went in there by myself. Now this place was dark. It was, it was almost pitch black in there. And like I said, the power was out. Um, but I'm in that, 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 uh, that main room when you enter, I was, I had walked back to there and was doing a quick, uh, EVP session there. And while I was there, I could actually hear footsteps coming towards me on the carpet, sort of like a shuffling oh, wow. sound, but it's a footsteps coming towards me. 
and you know, I had a flashlight and I, I, I shined it all over that. And it happened to be one of the times where I had the flashlight pointing in a different direction. And then you hear that shuffling coming up behind you pretty nerve wracking when you're in the dark and then it's, you hear that. So yeah. Something was messing with. Me. Someone was mess, yeah, messing messing with me. <laughs> I regret yeah, saying yeah. that. Oh, they had set and, up and, a. And Gene, um, Wells, Gene Wells had offered to. Gene Wells had offered to take me there. Like if I met him at his house, he, you know, he would have driven me there. I would have just met him there and you know went from there. But I just knew that I couldn't. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well. Like I said, I think there's going to be – there's definitely – after I talked to Dez, who runs the place, um, for a little bit there that night and told him, I said, this ought to be a regular thing. Um, yeah. We can make that happen, whether it be quarterly or or every two months or something like that. can be an event out here. It doesn't have to be an all-nighter, uh, and it doesn't have to incorporate mm-hmm. the whole battlefield. Um but there's enough. I, I love that place. Um, I really do. It's become one of my favorite places. I think I've been out there like three or four times now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you have time. because I've been out there twice. You and I was that was the first event, right? We went, and then there was a second one. And but you've been out there more, yeah, because I remember that. I have pictures. I have evidence. <laughs> this was the first time that we had actually incorporated that other house, you know, that was really over where the the Boy Scouts have their um, – it's like these little cabins that are set up. I don't know if anybody – it was supposed to be an all-night, all overnight thing. I don't know how many people actually stayed all night. Um, I had to leave because I had to be somewhere the next morning. But um, I, the, there was nobody in my group that was spending the night. I, so I don't know who, you know, there were four or five groups that were going various directions that night. But um, past weekend, I had a chance to go to uh, the Virginia Bigfoot pond. And this is the third one that they've done. And so uh, that I just uh, heard from the guy that organizes it, Daniel. He has already got the dates for next year. He just has not gotten the location yet. No, okay. Um, But what was cool is, uh, it was in. It was near Fishersville, which is near Waynesboro, and a place called uh, Fort Defiance. And it was in a Ruritan club convert- that used to be an old high school. And I'm talking about not your typical old high school. This is like a really. They must have had like a graduating class of twenty. Um, that's how small this place was, but. Perfect size for a mini convention. And I will say this. It was a lot more success. This year it was more successful. 
than the previous two years. It was a better location than what they had had. And the amount of people that came, it was pretty shocking. You know, I would say that they probably sold about 250 to 300 tickets. Oh, my gosh. There were, yeah, there was a lot of vendors. They had vendors out back. They had vendors inside. They had, uh, it looked like on the Facebook page that, like I said, two. 250 to 300, they were selling tickets at the door as well. But there was like 900 people said that they were interested in possibly coming. Now, Absolutely. 900 people didn't show up. It looked like they probably had 150 people in it, maybe. I don't know. Um, but it was a good crowd. And which yeah. is pretty cool. Whether you believe in Bigfoot or not, it's a lot of fun. And one of the people, one of the groups that was there who had a booth was uh, Haunted Nights, Lyle and Tana Lott and Brandon. And it was really cool to hang out with them. Melissa, I don't let me forget Melissa Sykes that that is with them as well. And um, uh, Tana uh, sells her candles and soaps and things like that. She's got a whole line of that stuff she sells. Um, of course, it was cool talking with them because they're they're good friends now, and and you know, and I will in a few moments go over their some of their events that that are coming up. Well, well, let me tell you. So when they started the conference. Okay, they didn't take into account there was a lot of light coming into the building, and they had a projector and a screen, and it was simply not dark enough to be able to see that. The audience would not be able to see the screen, what was on the screen. So if you had anything that was pictures or video or anything, it was going to be really hard to see. And you know what? That could be really a tragedy for a speaker mm-hmm. um, who is relying on that. Right. Well, it just so happened that Lyle Lott lives seven minutes away from where this facility was. And he ran and got his 65-inch big TV that he uses for events. And it's, I think he got the sound bar as well. And they came, him and Brandon, uh, put that up. You know, of course, they're used to doing this at their events, but they just took over and did this and literally saved the day. I can't tell you how much better point on that that it was so much better from that point on. Not only could you see, but you could hear what was being presented um, and no matter how much light was coming through, that vivid picture uh, could be seen. And right for for doing that, um, Daniel Benoit, who is the uh, the founder of the uh, the Bigfoot Con, 
decided to have Lyle come up and talk a few minutes about hit, uh, Haunted Night Paranormal and what they have going on. And he, he spoke for about 10 minutes. And he talked about the paranormal world, talked about events, talked about um, things that are coming up. And ever since he did that and he uh, he went back to his booth and everything, there was a steady stream of people going back to see them. And, and then I find out that by him getting up and promoting – He's been selling tickets like crazy to all of the, all of his events. Wow! Uh, a lot of a lot of people never even knew that paranormal events were something that you could go to, and that's oh, wow. really what I try to do. You know, I try to promote. My page right. now has three thousand members, and there's. A million people that don't know anything about paranormal. But that's Whether and you're, but you're right about that. You're right. You're absolutely right about that. So it's, you know, I always, whenever I go out in public, you know, because, I, you know, I wear a lot of shirts that have paranormal stuff on them and people are always asking me questions. I always um, tell them to go to the Virginia Paranormal Events page because that's where you're going to find all your upcoming events at instead of having to go look everywhere you can just go right there on your page and and get them it's perfect right and 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 i tell people all the time if you if there's something that i don't know about let me know yeah yeah before before virginia paranormal events was a thing you had you you had to you had to know or be uh, or like a page like Twisted Paranormal or Fredericksburg Paranormal or right. you know, just to know whether the, there were events. There was no right. central place to go to. to That's right. Cause I didn't know Fredericksburg. Like, yeah, I didn't know they existed like John Sullivan or yeah, John Sullivan. I'm sorry. He's, he said he plans to go um, to the Bigfoot Con in 2022, and he wanted he put down here, thank you for promoting Fredericksburg Paranormal and the paranormal events in Virginia. So, but you, I didn't know none, nothing existed, n- none of it. You know, um, yeah. found out about cross through meeting Ryan and Michael, and then once I got to meet you and started to learn about your page, that's when things got bigger and bigger because I really did not know at all. It is really, I tell you, from a personal standpoint, I've met and made so many friends in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. People, I mean, you don't have to talk paranormal to like these people. No, Uh, you don't. Like when I was telling you about sitting across on Bill Root, we were sitting there just talking, and we weren't talking. I mean, I had to, I listened to him because he has a lot of experience and going to a lot of places, but he's just a pretty cool dude, you know, and we happen to agree with a lot of things in this world uh, that are going right. on, and we share a lot of same ideas and things. 
You don't know that, and it's not. You won't always have that. Uh, you know who was sitting beside me was Debbie Rena, and oh really? You know, she's just a she's just a sweetheart. I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah, she's just a sweet. She's just yeah. I you know I love her to death. I mean, I I, I love oh. being around her, and and um, and like I said, you know. Uh, John Sullivan and I have a lot of great con- connections, not only with paranormal, but we we both like the Dallas Cowboys. And um, you find fired. out so much about people. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> I said you're fired, Dallas Cowboys. Is that what you just said? <laughs> Did you just say that on this show? Oh my God! I, I know. Uh, we I can't know. be friends. Um. Sorry, it's going to, I'm disowning it's going to you as of today. Where's my bike ride? We're supposed to go. How about them cowboys? Nothing. That's I'm getting right. dizzy now. Um, I will say this, that Con ended up being so it ended up being a, a great weekend for me personally, but that was a really fun thing to be at. And whether, like I said, you don't have to believe in Bigfoot. They talk oh, about it was fun, but they the guy that came up in the afternoon that was really cool. His name was David Spinks. David Spinks is coming out to the cabin on three sixty. I oh, met him because he, um, uh, in fact, I, I bet you I got his card right here. So he is. He's probably doing on, The I, name is. I think he is, I, 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 he is an ex-police he, officer uh, that is a okay. paranormal investigator. I had to say. Yeah, I had to think there for a second, my my memory. His website is davidspinksparanormalinvestigator.com. And okay. he has been he's been on Travel Channel and Destination America the other day. He showed the clip of when they one of the paranormal shows did a re uh, retold his childhood story of his experience of actually seeing Bigfoot when he was like nine or ten years old. He was out fishing with his grandfather in West Virginia, and they had a major um, confrontation with a, with a Bigfoot in West Virginia. And he was been, he's been a believer ever since from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he is uses his police, you know, he got into to, to the being a police officer and and all the things that he experienced as a police officer has only helped him with being a paranormal investigator. And how many right. places he that he and things that he experienced that were paranormal why while he was a police officer. So as you can right. imagine, he goes to a lot of scenes where there's been murder and stuff like that, and he he told some stories um, about things happening 
where there had been murders before and stuff like that. But pretty cool dude. And uh, I was talking with him, and uh, like I said, he's he's written some books and things like that as well um, about his experiences. And he was there, and I just it was a it was a good presentation that he put on. So. You don't have to be a believer in Bigfoot, but uh, right. you also get the normal stuff going on as well. I mean, you, you get to hear that, you know. And and the thing is, is I saw I saw people that I know from paranormal investigations um, uh, saw Terry Osborne there, um, who is with Independent. I can't remember yeah. their. I can see their T-shirts. It's, I, it's like. ISDP or something like that. Yeah, uh, Terry. I can't remember. Terry's a great. Terry's a great investigator. Been up, ca- been out to the cabin on 360 many times. Yeah, she's been there a couple of times, hasn't she? Yeah. And then, uh, but uh, what do we got going on coming up? Uh, like I said, my page is to promote paranormal teams and paranormal events that are happening mostly in the state of Virginia, but we have a lot of paranormal teams that go and do stuff outside of the state. And I found out that there is one paranormal team that is putting together a cruise that's coming up in probably 2023. And also, a paranormal investigation that's, that's going to be cool. taking place out in the Midwest. So, they will make it that available, and um, that would be pretty cool to travel out there either by vehicle or, or to fly uh, mm-hmm. to, to that. So, there are a lot of... Um, you know, events that go on in the state of Virginia that keep me busy promoting and and, and paranormal teams and all that they got going yeah. on. I think you need to um, come out here to Urbana with me and run some equipment because I don't want to do it by myself. Ideas for Urbana, and I'll, I'll need to run them by you. But... Yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah, I I have been wanting to run equipment out there, but I'm checking on, I mean, I know those are public sidewalks and everything, but I'm trying to be respectful of the town, um, you know, because they're not used to seeing people run equipment out there like that. They don't, you know, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They're those freaky paranormal people again yeah they're not used to it they'd probably call the sheriff's department on us and say wait a minute there's people trying to break into one of our local stores so we want to um i want to get together with the town administrator at least you know so they know what we're doing and when they see us out there they know what we're doing yeah you you know the uh eric knapp who was on there with dennis earlier He's going to be mm-hmm. out at the cabin, that event, 
uh, I had forgotten or had misplaced the date, but it's August 14th, and he said it was $60, right. that they were only mm-hmm. going to have it open for 15 people. So that will sell out very quick. Um, yes. Some events that we have out of the cabin have 50 people. So smaller groups are always good when, you, when you're trying to investigate out there. Uh, but there's some events right. coming up in July, and I don't want to go too far. Most of the events right now are going through October. I haven't heard too many beyond that. I know that there's some, but they really, you know, uh, there's a there's a ton. Compare it to last year, which really was. Um, you know, there was nothing going on. Right. Now we have right. places that are opening up. So the other thing about paranormal events, especially in Virginia, is I'd say most of the time, if not all of the time, the money that is made and generated goes back to those locations to keep them right. operating. Uh, like Pamplin Park, they love to have dentists and, and people come out there because they can make more in one night than they can all week. And right. the uh, so got a uh, investigation. I'm gonna go quickly here, and, and, and like I said, yeah, because we got about we got less than 15 minutes. I think when I'm looking yeah. at time, yeah, about that, yeah. And and I'm not gonna go too far in advance, or 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 to you know. Uh, but you can go to Virginia Paranormal Events, find out about the the events firsthand, how much they cost, what are the dates. Um, July 9th at Dunlore, Haunted Nights is putting on a, an event there. That, I believe, is going to be a two-night event. So you can buy tickets for Friday and Saturday night. You can buy a VIP ticket that will allow you to investigate both nights. There's a uh, uh, a lady up there. They're going to be uh, the name is escaping Chelsea. Chelsea, someone I can't remember her name. Chelsea Hill. I'm not sure if that's right. But Dunlores in Mineral, Virginia. It's a bed breakfast. You can actually stay there that night uh, and get a room, or if you just want to investigate, that's a very active place. Uh, and finest finest people that run the place, um, uh, and again, Haunted Night puts on a great event. No matter what they put their hands on, it ends up being a great yeah. event. Um, Tuckahoe Plantation on July twenty fourth. That's the first time place of uh, doing an event. Tuckahoe oh, wow. is, is is out in the western part of Richmond. Uh, it probably it mm-hmm. might be in Goochland, but it's right on the outskirts of west uh, western part of Richmond. And Tuckahoe was the boyhood home of Thomas Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson um, was was born in outside, of, I believe, outside of Charlottesville, and his father moved to Tuckahoe. And so 
Thomas Jefferson spent a, a, a couple of years uh, there at Tuckahoe. So it's been an active plantation since the um, early 1700s. Oh, cool. And the cool thing was is that I used to work at a restaurant not too far from there, and those guys that worked in the wood shop and, and in the maintenance for that plantation would come and eat. And I, uh, they told me that there were things going on there. Now, this was before anyone ever tried to investigate there. But I said, you know, when it's that old, do things ever go bump in the night? Do things move? He goes, man. He goes, you just kind of just realize that's what the, what old places do. You know, you come in and you just things have been moved and you hear sounds and you just you know. He goes, but we're there during the day. The day we're not there at night. So the same night out at Scotchtown and Hanover Tavern being put on an event put on by. Transcend Paranormal, that's uh, Steve Dills' group. Steve Dills is now the president of Hanover Tavern. So we talk about these places that can start to do events on a more regular basis. And now that their president is a paranormal investigator, um, he was going to have a Paracon there this past January that was shut down. Uh, But I'm putting a bug in his ear now that they will do a uh, Paracon maybe this coming January. Uh, it's a right. great location. Very, very haunted location. Hanover Tavern. Scotchtown is Patrick Henry's um, home. And so that's a two, it might be even three events, three places, uh, two at least two places that you will go to because you've got to get in the car and travel right. to the other one, which is only a short distance, but to investigate the same night. And then uh, also coming up uh, in a couple of weeks at Hanover Tavern uh, on July 15th, they're doing a uh, part of their haunted history tours that they do. Um, usually, They'll do a, at least one Thursday out of a month, and that is pretty cool thing to do as well, because you get you get to hear the stories and see all the, the places. It's not only Hanover Tavern; they cross the street there and go over to one of the oldest active uh, courthouses in America, built that was built in the 1700s, and right beside that is the jail. That is okay. uh, one of those places that if, if you ever go inside it, you realize that um, it, it is very, there's a very evil presence uh, inside that jail. And that's where they kept some people, and they actually um, hung some people in, inside that jail. So um, I told you about Eric Knapp going to be that we listened to on Facebook uh, prior to this. We're going to be at uh, the Cabin on 360. That's on August 14th. Uh, Windsor Castle is a place down in Smithfield, Virginia. And uh, Flumeri Productions 
uh, that's uh, RTL, uh, paranormal, is part of uh, Flumeri, and they are going to open up Windsor Castle with Steve Deals and Transcend is going to be assisting with that uh, investigation. That's a that's going to be a good event. Windsor Castle is one of those places that never gets investigated. So right. we're hoping that really active. Um, coming in September, uh, on the 4th of, of September, the Exchange Hotel in Gordonsville finally is going to start opening back up and doing events. They've got an event coming up here on the 9th. I want to say it's the 19th. I could be wrong about that. Uh, with the Tennessee Ray Chasers are coming into town, not being uh, assisted with anyone in like a Virginia Paranormal team or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They always come to the exchange. So their their own promoter um, contacts the exchange and sets up that date, but. Uh, when I found out about it, again, I've tried to promote it. Um, I had people texting me and mailing me, how do I get tickets? Can you sign me up? I mean, it just blew up because they have a right. following. Uh, a national okay. following. So um, on September 4th, we're going back to the Exchange Hotel uh, with Haunted Nights Paranormal is going to uh, have have the exchange, and they are super excited because the exchange hotel, there's no reason why that can't be a at least a once-a-month place for investigations. And it's a, it, is, it is probably one of my top, top favorite places to go. Yeah, John Sullivan uh, said it's a great location for paranormal. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's got it all. It's got you. you if you want to hear children laughter, if you want to hear evil stuff, you want to hear smells tobacco. You know, if you want to just experience all the different senses. Uh, paranormal, mm-hmm. the Exchange Hotel has it, and I'll, you know, I don't have to tell you about the history of it, but it was a Civil War hospital, um, like a tri- triage. They bring soldiers there from the battlefield, uh, patch them, keep them alive, and if they were able to travel, they put them back on the train and send them to Richmond to the to the big hospital there in Richmond. The, oh wow! Uh, okay. So the Exchange Hotel also saw Union soldiers as well. They kept excellent records, excellent records. So they and they have them there. You can look at them. The actual books. It'll show what the person, where they were from, what was wrong with them, whether they lived or died. Oh wow! Uh, they have. I've never been there. And, so they have a train depot that they would unload dead bodies on into, and that train depot is now being um, reconditioned. It had kind of gone into disrepair. Now they've spent a lot of money to try to build it back up. It's taken several years to do. 
and they have a separate building right beside the Exchange Hotel. The Exchange Hotel, after the Civil War, and also prior to the Civil War, actually, since it's right next to the railroads, people would, you know, stay there, catch, and then get on another train and go somewhere else. And so it was a great place to jump off at. Um, But during the Civil War, there was a lot of death, a lot of people buried on the property. Later, uh, you know, uh, reinterred to a different different uh, cemeteries, Uh, some in that area and some in Richmond and and uh, actually, uh, there was a uh, story of a Union family that came down looking for their uh, son that had passed. And they found him and took him back uh, to New York. Right. So uh, the Exchange Hotel is very, very – if you ever get a chance, you can also go there during the day and just take a tour because it's a – a museum uh, during the you know during oh, okay. the day and it they've got it was it's a medical uh, not only a medical museum but they had a lot of things going on there as well so gotcha. I forgot what the price is it's like ten dollars to, to tour that during the day um, Octagon uh, Museum by day paranormal by night <laughs> that's yeah that's right and and paranormal mm-hmm. by day as well. Um, because I'm telling you, you can go upstairs no, and be on the third floor by yourself and be constantly looking over your shoulder because you just sense that somebody's in the room there with you. I'm sure there um, is somebody in the room there. <laughs> John Cushman is doing a great thing at the Octagon Mansion in Whitfield, Virginia, and uh, there's, a, yeah, there's always events at the Octagon TWC, who are the Tennessee Rape Chasers. Uh, like I said, they love Virginia. They're going to be at the Exchange. They're going to be at the Octagon. They're going to be at Henrikus cool. in, um, in October. Uh, but Octagon is a place that get, that's, they're doing events all the time now, and that's great. Um, Battles- the Battleship Wisconsin in Norfolk on the 24th of September and uh, Transcend is going to have the Dunlora uh, in September as well, this time with the Connor sisters. So you had them on your show. Um, yeah, and they're coming. They're supposed they're to make a reappearance. Yeah, and they're going to be the uh, the guests at the Dunlora on the 25th of September. Um, okay. And just so- just a few things there are going to be events in, in October coming up. Uh, one of the ones that I really like, though, that's coming up in September, I forgot to mention, on the 18th at Magnolia Grange in Chesterfield County, across from Chesterfield Courthouse, uh, not too far from where I live, uh, Magnolia Grange, a place I've never investigated before, uh, put on by Flamary, but you buy your tickets through the Chesterfield um, Historical Society. And uh, that place is really active, is what I've heard. I've had people tell me how active it is. So um, find out about all the events, all the teams that are doing great things across Virginia, 
uh, you can go to shameless plug here, Virginia Paranormal Events, but uh, it's really, it's it's for everybody in the paranormal in the state of Virginia um, to do. Getting a lot of pe- getting a lot of uh, people interested in, in other states that are coming that want to know what's happening in Virginia, so they're finding my page, which is really awesome. Right. Um, yeah, that is very much. We've got to we've got to do this again soon. I know I'm going to see you at the cabin in the near future, um, and I know that Pamplin Park is going to be putting on another event coming up. Uh, I believe in the fall. So, well, that, maybe, that would be cool. Maybe my everything will be straight with me by then. If not, you know, I just I have to play it play it day-to-day um, with this stupidness, as I say it, stupidness. But, um, you know, you just have to wait and see. Yeah. I can't, Hopefully I can't I'll be able to see you soon. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping this is not a permanent thing, but um, and I know they have an event coming up at the cabin on 362 that was, I think it's in July. I want to say 30th. Don't quote me on the date or the 31st. Whatever that day is on a Saturday, because I think Holly Mullins is coming that day. Oh, I've got to yeah. check into that. Uh, yeah, check into that one. I'm sorry, I don't have the, I'm trying to get the calendar up. But I want to say it's the 31st, but I'll be in Florida. Kimberly will be there. She's going to be bringing some of her stuff that she made, um, and she's going to be bringing some of my stuff down since I can't be there. But I know Holly Mullins is going to be at the Cabin on 360 there too. So, yeah, I'll get that event and send it to you because I know I've seen it. That's right around my birthday. uh, Yeah, and I can't get to that one. Like I said, I'll be in Florida getting my head checked. Take care of that, yeah, since the yeah. MRI said I had a remarkable brain. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Lies. Oh, and I'm going to be coming. down in Urbana. I'm going to be out in Urbana this, this Saturday, uh, golf cart parade. Okay. okay. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll see you. Um, I'm going to be yeah. down there I'll all see day. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you. I heard the golf cart parade is, isn't until like five o'clock that that in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, it's five. We, I'm gonna be done yeah. today. So, well, let me know when you get in so we can talk. But I got twenty seconds yeah. left. All right, very good. <laughs> I don't want Ryan, I don't want Ryan to kill me on my first night back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, here's to many more and. I will be on your show next month, very soon. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. No, thank you, Jerry. All right, and I'll talk to you later. Okay, thank you again. Bye, everybody. Uh Uh-huh. Bye. I was a hard-drinking sinner with blood on my hands. I was a hard-drinking sinner 
out there. This is Ryan. Uh, taking a sip out of my trusty water cup here. Welcome to the freaking awesome show. I'm running solo at the minute, at the moment. Um, Angie is uh, is doing her job right now. She is a nurse here at Camp Hanover, where we are coming at you live from right now. I'm sitting here at this lovely table which nobody can see because I realize this is audio-only podcast sitting at this lovely table. I've got my Yankee Candle black cherry-scented candle going 
at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back. We had a great show last week with Whitney Zahar, um, talking to her about her, her new book, her new novella she has coming out. And uh, well, it might actually be out already. I think it might be out now. Yeah, so it's you can find it on like Amazon and um, and it's part of a series that uh, she's a part of. So that was a fun conversation. Just want to say it's great to have uh, it's great to have Jerry Pritchard Reyes back on this back on the air with us. And she went through a lot this past year with the vertigo and stuff. So it's it's awesome to have her back on the on the air with us. Um, you know. It's you see someone go like that, you see something like that. It's tough, but like I said, I'm glad to have her back. Um, yeah, you see. Sorry, it's been a long day. Been a very long. It's one of these. This is one of those days where I'm glad I don't actually have a guest on the show tonight. I'm glad it's just us talking. Um, Angie's going to be here. A little bit later, um, like I said, she's she's uh, finishing up her duties as the nurse over here at Camp Hanover. But yeah, it's just been a long day, hot. You know, RJ's been uh, well. He's been RJ. You know, he's just he's three years old and he's got a bad diaper rash going on. He's just miserable. So. It's definitely it's definitely been a long day, but you know what? It's okay. It's all good. You know we're here, ready to talk about some supernatural news tonight. Um, I found some good stories, interesting stories for the to uh, chat with you guys about. I'm super excited to get into these articles I found for you guys. Um, there are a couple of them I'm going to save till Angie gets here because I want some I want to talk to talk with her about. Um, but I am going to dive into the first one here. This was actually this is actually from the Mirror. A lot of our a lot of our articles or news comes from the Mirror. They have a lot of uh, cool stories on here. But very a lot of stuff like goes stuff happens. Paranormal stuff happens in um, in the UK. That's where this comes from. This is where uh, yeah Mirror UK news. So. Apparently, a lot, lot of cool ghost stuff happens in the UK. Yeah, I watch um, this. Uh, I'm gonna start going off on tangents here. Like I said, I'm by myself. I have no one to keep me like focused. But I go. I watch this uh, YouTube channel called Nukes Top Five, and it's almost always paranormal stuff, ghost related stuff. And some of these videos, I'm watching them, and I'm like sitting here, and, like I'll, you know, be you know, watching them blown or whatever, and I'll start to get, like, freaked out. Cause I'm like, oh, my God, it's it, some of these places are so creepy. Like, these guys and these people go in and do these, like, live TikToks or live videos by themselves in these, like, abandoned schools. I mean, stuff's flying around. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would not go in some of these places by myself. You know, it's because, you know, again, always a chance of getting hurt, you know, when you you – you go to these places and something scares you and you and you run out the door and you end up breaking your leg and what's what is guess what? There's no one there to help you. So again, I would not go for that reason. Also, some of the stuff there is freaky as hell, you know? You hear these people, you know, and they're you know, going to just 
like this lot of like Asian, like Southeast Asian, Thailand and Taiwan, a lot of Japanese, like a lot of Japanese, like abandoned schools and you know, the Middle East has, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to you know, see some really cool paranormal evidence from around the world, check out Nuke's top five. And if you want to be really scared, watch it with the lights off because it can, it can get pretty freaky. So, sorry about that little, uh, you know, tangent I went on about Nuke's top five. And if they want to show me, throw me a shout out for sending people your, their way, which he doesn't need because one, like he's like a million, million views on some of, his, some of his videos. I'm in the wrong business. I should seriously think of looking into compiling paranormal videos because apparently you get, you know, you can make some bank off of that. You know, get get like commercials and stuff. Yeah, no, right. Got to you know, you can you know, have commercials on your videos and stuff, it's going to, you know, you can make some serious bank just looking at paranormal videos all the time. So anyways, back to the video, back to the story here from the mirror. Ghost lurks over grave and bone chilling images for most haunted cemetery. So either this, uh, this cemetery appeared in the show most, this is the most haunted cemetery, which is quite a uh, quite a title to live up to, being the most haunted cemetery. But let's find out. Let's let's. Uh, Luke, you look like I'm talking to my daughter Kim. You look like the girl from The Ring. She's she's got her uh, her hair, you know. She's bent over. She's got her hair down. She just took a shower. She looks like the girl from The Ring. Freaky. I've got my earbuds in, so you can't really she can't you can't really hear what she's saying, but she doesn't look like she's about to crawl out the television. Ooh, creepy. She can take a picture and like add like a add like a you can we put a white dress on? You seriously look like the the ring. All right, let's see here. Bone chilling images taken by a fearless visitor at a most haunted at a most haunted cemetery show a ghostly figure standing over a grave. Tyler. Karanasius captured the haunting photos at the Pine Hill Cemetery in Hollis in the U.S. state of New Hampshire. Well, look, this is, all right, well, never mind. This is from the United States. The curious 26-year-old decided to visit the site, which is known as Blood Cemetery, after Abel Blood, who was rumored to have been murdered with occult connections. Rumored, yeah, okay, a murderer, murderer with occult connections. Oh, so a place called Blood's a Blood Cemetery. I mean, that's that's uh, that should set off a few warning signs right there. His ghost is said to haunt his final resting place. Tyler like now fears he may have disturbed his spirit. Looking for something spooky, Tyler decided to visit the cemetery, and soon he discovered the reason for the site's haunted reputation. Uh, there's a picture here, which obviously, you know, it's audio. But I'll, I'm gonna, I'll share this uh, image with the article on my Facebook page. He said, "My friend and I wanted to find somewhere haunted to possibly visit. When we arrived, it was probably probably close to midnight. Some spots were cold and some were warm. It was strange. I believe a lot of it was adrenaline, but it, it is possible I was feeling the presence of a spirit." 
He continued, I noticed a figure at one point when I turned around and moved quickly and scared me. I then told my friend we should take flash photos before we leave. When we got home, we realized what he had captured after going through our photos. An ephemeral mist is visible between two rows of headstones in one of the images. But when the image is brightened, the mist forms the shape of a person wearing a long cloak or shroud. Mr. Karanasius, a healthcare worker, believes it may be the ghost of one of Abel Blood's family. He said Abel Blood's headstone appears happens to be in the photo. Abel Blood, that sounds like such a cool name. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, he could have been a cult, but his name is actually pretty cool. It is smaller. It is the smaller broken one in the shape of a triangle in the photo. The rest of the Blood family is buried there, including a young child. I believe the ghost might be Elizabeth Blood. I think this, this because the spirit in the picture looks like a woman of having to be standing behind her gravestone. When Tyler shared the photos online, viewers suggested perhaps it was simply the outline of another headstone. But if a photo taken in the daytime during a previous visit shows no headstone is there. Mr. Karanasius said he understood the skepticism that he himself is totally convinced. A lot of people believe it is a spirit, he said. Many others believe it is a reflection or some sort of illusion. I believe that this is definitely the spirit of someone. It takes a clear shape of a person wearing some sort of cloak or dress, he added. I truly cannot explain this photo naturally. The area in which this figure is shown is not visible any other time. It most certainly is, is only in this picture. Otherwise, it is just another space of grass. To those who believe it is fake, I understand that it is full of fake things. Myself and my friend are truly the only ones who know what happened that night, and I am only trying my best to show that experience, and that picture is 100% real. So that's the, um, you know, that's, that's the, the difficult part about sharing evidence, uh, paranormal evidence, um, is that, you know, there are always going to be doubters out there, you know, about anyone's evidence. The only person who knows for sure what happened out there is the person who took the picture. Now, I'm not saying it's fake. You know, I don't see any reason why he would want to fake the photograph, you know. And I, I, I would like to keep an open mind with people when they share evidence because I want them to do the same with my evidence when I put stuff out there. None of the stuff I put out there is fake. All the stuff is 100% real. But I am the only person who knows that for sure. And the people who are with me at the time are the people who know that it's real. You know, so I'm asking people to have a lot of faith in me when I put that, that evidence out there and say, hey, you know, this is real. You got to trust me on this. You know, because it's, yeah, there are a lot of people, you know, there are people who fake evidence. I shouldn't say a lot of people. But there are people who fake evidence, and they do it for fame, or they're trying to get to make money. But there are people out there, like this guy, you know, or, or I'm assuming, or like myself and my friends who don't who put stuff out there because they, they want to share their experience with people. So when you see stuff like that, just keep an open mind. You know, just don't assume everything is fake or people are trying to get one over on you because that's 
Um, most likely not the case. I think uh, you know, just give people keep it open mind, give you know, give people a chance. So yeah, uh, the the picture itself. I mean, I have a hard time seeing stuff like that, anyways. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and put my Facebook thing back on. Uh, go ahead and share this bit of evidence here. All right, I'm share the article here. Copy, do, 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 fun, exciting, paranormal, good stuff, paste. All right. All right, so, yeah, it's uh, take a look at it, see what you think. I, uh, like I said, have a hard time. I can, oh, I can see it. I mean, it does look like there's something there. And I can see why they think it was a different, uh, like another gravestone there, but... Yeah, I can see. I can definitely see something uh, standing over the grave. You know, and you know, it's cool. If he caught he caught something like that, it's really, really cool photograph. And it's I think a, a lot of times when you have these, um, when you get these video these photographs, it's it's caught, there are a lot of the spirits. Those pictures are caught by accident. You're like, oh, I stick in a random picture, you know, and I happen to catch to capture this photograph, you know. So this one obviously wasn't because he was actually in the graveyard looking for spirits, so it's not really by accident. But, you know, still, it's a pretty cool photograph. So you go to my Facebook page, Ryan C. Jones, um, and uh, you'll see the first article here. So next, my next article I'm going to read. Oh, there she is. What? Huh? Oh. Oh. I had a can of water in our room to just make the snow go away. Up the bleach. Angie just Angie just came in. I had a candle going by the window to make this to get rid of the bleach smell. They clean the bathrooms here at the cabin. And uh I'm gonna go and take my I wonder if you could Sorry, I'm talking. I'm just. You think you could put one of these earbuds in to see if that works? Yeah. All right. There you go. Here's another earbud. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. The beautiful, voluptuous, Angela Parker, has joined the show. Welcome, Angela. Woo! I wish I had like it. I wish I had an applause. I need to start adding like, uh, like sound effects. I could I could uh, add to the the blog talk studio. That's what Howie does with his show. People are as you know, people come on. They add clapping and stuff. We should do that for ours. So we talked about a ghost in the graveyard. Ooh. Next, we're talking about a three thousand year old shark attack victim. I mean that's that's kind of old. Yes, that is that is that is older than myself. Oh, I couldn't think, could think of anything. I was like, I tried to think of something clever. I couldn't think of like really fun, something funny. So I was like, oh, this is myself. So how do they know that it was a shark attack? Interesting. Let's find out. This is from the Smithsonian Magazine, so we're going oh, high class. Legit. 
high class here. We're talking to Smithsonian here. Probably one of those long ass articles that take like fifty actually not that long at all. Okay. Marine biologists have long tried to dispel the myth that sharks are vicious predators that target humans. Nonetheless, a fatal shark nonetheless fatal shark assaults do occasionally happen. According to University of Florida's Museum of Natural History, fifty seven unprovoked shark bites occurred worldwide in twenty twenty with 13 of those being fatal. Now experts have unearthed the skeletal remains of the oldest known shark victim attack. Hello, attack, attack victim, reports Sophie Wingate for the Independent. Ah, sip of water there. University of Oxford, Oxford, Oxford researchers J. Alyssa White and Richard Schulting recently uncovered an adult male skeleton known as Sokumo number 24 at the Sokumo burial site, a prehistoric prehistoric, prehistoric hunter-gatherer cemetery in Japan's Akayama Prefecture while researching violent trauma on human remains of prehistoric hunter-gatherers, according to a statement. The victim displayed nearly 790 traumatic injuries, including incisions. That's 790 traumatic injuries. I know, right? I mean, so he he went he went the hard way. Punctures and fractures that showed no signs of healing, which suggests that the incident was fatal. The researchers published their findings in the August 2021 issue of the Journal of Archaeological Science Reports. For the statement, the team used a combination of scientific and forensic, per the statement, the team used a combination of scientific and forensic methods to determine what wounded the man. While analyzing the, the skeleton, archaeologists concluded that the man probably died between 1370 B.C. and 1010 B.C., and that his injuries were primarily concentrating on, concentrated on his arms, legs, chest, and stomach. So pretty much, you know, not his head. That's, yeah. Pretty much everywhere but his head. And his, oh, yeah, his arms too, anything. Experts use this information and other evidence to determine that a tiger shark or a great white shark most likely ambushed the victim. The injuries resembled those made with metal weapons, but scientists use radiocarbon dating to determine that the attack appeared at a time in Japan when people didn't have those. Notes Haretz, Haretz Ruth Schuster. The team considered other possible assailants like crabs, bears, and boars. What kind of crab <laughs> would they have back then that would like... Jeez, like the kind of kind of chopped off Zebediah's head in the lighthouse. Yes. 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 Yeah. I remember that story. Yes. You can't say that yes, and that's, not tell the story the, uh, of your inside. great ancestors. <laughs> yeah. We uh we my uncle told the story of uh, the lighthouse. The curse of the lighthouse. Um. Of a giant of a giant crab that chopped off uh, the lighthouse keeper's head. Um, so that's where that came from, to scare the crap out of us. The lighthouse keeper named Zebediah, he lost his head during a hurricane when the giant crab chopped his head off. 
So, and you know, you tell us that teams come out looking for our heads and you know, looking for a new head and watch out. He's, he's going to get you. Scared the crap out of me. We used to, we used to wear dish towels around our neck when we went to visit uh, Currituck Lighthouse. We, it's again, we're going off another tangent. We have a, a video or pictures of my grandpa father wearing like a weird like 1970s dish towel around his head, just around his head, around his neck, just walking around because you know it protects your neck. You know, you know, you can't you, you can't get your head chopped off you if you wear a dish towel. Because dish towels will protect you yeah, from, you know. Invincible. Yeah, you, you want to if you if you want to not be have your head chopped off, wear a dish towel and you Just will. Absorb it. Yes, yes. So exactly. So if you if you're worried about a ghost taking your head, wear a dish towel on your neck and you'll be safe. Anyways, back to the crab. So after the the article, I mean, not the crab. Bears and boars. So all right. Japan must be like they have crabs, bears, boars, and sharks all in the same area in Japan. I mean, I guess they could, you know, Japan's a small place. I guess they could, I don't know, you know, much about Japan. Maybe they do have all that stuff all in the same area, but I would not want to meet that crab. But the types of lesions on on their remains didn't fit the bill. So researchers ruled those out. Given the injuries, He's clearly, clearly the victim of a shark attack. See, White and Schulting in this state. And whoever hear the term shark attack, I think of that game. Yeah. Shark attack, you know, shark, shark, shark attack. This shark is like a maniac. The man may have well been fishing with companions at the time. She was recovered quickly. And based on the a character and distribution of the tooth marks, the most likely species for Shotso was either a tiger shark or a great white shark. As Mindy Weisenberg, Weisberger writes for Life Science, tiger sharks and great white sharks inhabited Japan's Seto Inland Sea near the burial site. Both species have previous, previously mauled humans, though they don't usually attack people unless they're provoked. Many victims of shark attacks in the past may not have been recovered for burial, Solstein tolls Herrits. But there are other two other factors at play. One is that evidence of the injuries to bone caused by the sharks may not always be recognized. Since archaeologists, archaeological discoveries of shark attacks are relatively uncommon, the team decided to consult George Burgess, director emeritus of the Florida Program for Shark Research. Together, the international team was able to reconstruct the assault using X-ray computed tomography, or CT for short, which allowed experts to see and map the person's wounds per life science. These scans showed showed that most of the victim's ribs were fractured and bitten and that his chest cavity and abdomen were probably eviscerated. When something's eviscerated, (laughs) yeah. Just yeah, it's a bad. Scary. That's bad news for you. Like it doesn't even sound like a good word. Yeah, it's just like it's not there anymore. It's eviscerated. <laughs> the wounds were almost also concentrated on his left hip and leg, and he may have lost his left hand while trying to protect his body from the shark. Yeah. Scholars also speculate that the victim lived during the Jabon 
Jomon period in Japan, about 2,000, 2000 years ago, according to Heretz. People of the Jamon culture likely hunted and fished to survive. And Toskuma, number 24, may have perished. Why do you keep moving? The article is just moving by itself. May have perished during such a fishing expedition. Prior to this find, the oldest known shark victim was almost 1,000 years younger per life science. Construction workers initially uncovered the Tsukoma site in eighteen sixty and their first archaeological digs occurred in nineteen fifteen. Since then archaeologists have archaeologists have found more than one hundred and seventy human remains there. However, only one skeleton had such gruesome and widespread injuries. Humans have a long shared history with sharks, the scientists write in the study. This is one of the relatively rare instances when humans were on their menu and not the reverse. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think he just about got ate up by a shark. Eviscerated <laughs> by a shark. But that's, that's the kind of risk you take when you, especially back then, when you go into the water in rickety boats. I'm sure, I mean, he's probably not the only one who was attacked by a shark back then. He may have been the only one that was recovered because he was probably with someone at the time and he was able to get pulled out of the water. But Or maybe he body was body washed on the shore. But, you know. And I've never really... I've never really had the, uh, like... I watch like Shark Week or whatever. I don't. I don't ever think. Oh, am I going in the water because I'm afraid of sharks? Me neither. I don't know why. You know. Yeah, I watch it supposed to be attacked like, by sharks. I know. Like I don't know. I'm just like. I kind of understand though. We go into their home and frolic and play. You know, they're not like coming into our home and. Yeah, if I saw a shark just walking into the. Walking if I go into, into the, the kitchen and look at the yeah. sink, and there's a shark coming up through the drain. Like, hey, what's up? I'd, I'd be a little upset too. That'd be weird. Though, but why are you talking? And the sharks could talk. That's weird. That'd be that freaked me out too. Like, whoa, you English? They you all have swim up a drain. Yeah, I mean, you know, you might as well talk. You might as well speak English. Yeah. What a stinging that. Already in the drain. Stuff on my shoes. Sorry, completely yeah. off subject. I'm more scared of riptides. Remember the time we went to the, we were, we were there? Yeah, and they we, almost drowned. And I had to carry you. I had to, I had to pull you and RJ, or RJ, no, Rihanna. Rihanna, to the shore. And that was scary because it's like all of a sudden you can't touch the no, ground. You don't pull us all the way back. I saved your life. Oh, God. <laughs> I saved you. I pulled you back to where you could put, you could, you could, you could, uh, you could. Touch the touch the the ground okay, at least. The Not the shore. That'd be ridiculous. Come on, and you're like this is this like two feet of water into the water. Come on. <laughs> you said you to drive us back to shore. Well, That's I meant exactly I meant to I meant to where you can touch the touch the ground, which is short. <laughs> That was that was scary though. That was scary though. Cause I was like, I could barely touch it myself, and I'm like, I got, you know. Well, the thing was just. Yeah, and we, we couldn't. Along, and then it was just like, 
boom, and then gone. We couldn't get to it. We couldn't. I couldn't find it anymore. So that's that's scary. And you hear these like these stories of like people like they went out just for a swim and didn't come back and stuff. Yeah, that is scary. It's freaky. So you know birds, right? You've heard. Yeah. I've heard of birds. You've I've seen them. You've quite a few seen them around. Flying around everywhere and some inside too. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they've been a part of our lives forever. Forever. Yeah. Did you know they're not real? That's a lie. Birds aren't real. That's a lie. So, according to these people, it is not a lie. So what do they what do they say? Birds aren't real. I'm let you read this article here. You let me read. Yes, it. I read too. Um, I just called them big fat. The lies. birds are uh, birds aren't real. We are part of this. We are part of it now. We are super excited to be a part of this. How long? Not very long. Oh, that's it. Are you ready? Yes, we, we're. This know, says birds aren't real. Rolling Raleigh makes first stop in Missouri. It's in Springfield, Missouri. This is reported on a news website. In Chicago, Chicago, WGN, Nine. very own. So a crowd of people gathered in downtown Springfield, Missouri, to attend the Birds Aren't Real rally. According to Peter McIndoe, uh, with the Birds Aren't Real movement, all birds in the United States were killed by the government and replaced by federal drones. I knew it. I mean, this hurts. <laughs> what makes me think that? I think the evidence is all around us. Birds sit on power lines. We believe they're charging on power lines. We believe that bird poop on cars is liquid tracing apparatus. Oh, I mean, it makes, per- it makes perfect sense. Like, what is in this person's Cheerios? Like, I don't know. The movement, which has been fueled by online chatter as well as mysterious flyers posted in cities across the U.S., is currently on tour, and Springfield was its first stop. Birds Aren't Real relies on Internet-fueled guerrilla marketing to spread a silly message. Followers are poking fun at conspiracy theories like QAnon. Yeah, QAnon. I was like, Quan? <laughs> Quan? <laughs> QAnon that have gone mainstream over the last few years. Mekendo is the creative muscle behind the aviation-inspired conspiracy. According to the National Autobahn Society, he first went live with Birds Aren't Real in January 2017 at the Memphis Women's March. Since then, the movement has gained a large fan base. There is a beetle in my hair. I guess that's a tracking device, too. Like, I should have just, like... I mean... I think it's a dead beetle. That, it doesn't even look real. That's it. It's got chips inside of it. It's a drone. I mean, I've always thought birds were weird, how they always fly around and stuff, but now that we know they're... they're they're tracking us. So what do these people think that like nests and trees are planted there when there's eggs in them that are actually eggs that crack and break that they're planted there too? Like, I mean, it's, I, it's, it is a deep, deep conspiracy. Oh, I you don't know how. I can't <laughs> how deep people, like, no. Just, 
just no. I can't believe we even gave that publicity. <laughs> it's, I'm gonna, like, let's check out the bird. I want to see a picture of this guy. you got to pull this up. I need to real. see a picture of this guy that says birds aren't real. I need to find this movement. The birds aren't real. The birds aren't real movement. This guy looks like he's had one too many LSD hits. That's where this is coming from. Birds are make. We get T-shirts. Birds. We get a hat. Bar. Birds aren't. Birds aren't real. Bar. We get bird. You get the drone field guy shirt. So let's see here. So an owl is. uh, Yeah. Well, they're just waiting for the right, the right, the right time. Yeah, the right like moment to attack. Bluebird is retina scanner. Pigeon thirty city surveillance. Vulture public sanitation. I mean, bird attack drone. It's all in a T-shirt. Seagull coastal surveillance. So, this know. is ridiculous. Sparrow <laughs> general surveillance. Flamingo aquatic sentry. Parrot linguistics analyst. <laughs> Raven stealth attack drone. I mean, it's funny. It's I mean, funny. It's I a seriously laugh. I really want to get one of these. Joke. It's a joke. But they're making fun of like, like. Flat earthers, I guess. Let's see. Um, official statement response to Newsweek story. Uh, I guess there was a Newsweek story about um, yesterday, the viral swamp media publication Newsweek attacked this is a response to the Newsweek article. Attacks the legitimacy of the rich and the rich historical legacy of our of our bird truth movement, founded nearly 50 years ago to provide bring attention to avian genocide and the draconian bird surveillance tactics put into practice by the U.S. government. 50 years, 50 years they have been. Oh so God. our whole life has been a lie. We thought birds were real. Yeah. Still do. I mean, they're real. I'm a birder. They're real. They're absolutely. They're, our, they're not our imagination, but they're not real. They're, they're like great. animatronics. Little um, These are accused our organization organized effort as being a performative piece of satire, and in an unprecedented act of journalistic disrespect, one big gag. The fake news outlet also aimed to discredit our representation, setting hiccups and an apparent inconsistency in our story. What? Let us be absolutely clear. We did not condone acts of journalistic gaslighting. <laughs> Despite several inaccuracies, some truth did make it to the press, such as the fact that big tech is in bed with the government, that everyone deep down can identify and relate to the fact that we are all being surveilled, and that surveillance is most likely coming from 12 billion verbs simultaneously. And finally, the birds aren't real movement has picked up tons of followers, which we are now. We are now part. We no, are now you, you 100% be, on board. I, the birds are not real I, movement. I will not. Notwithstanding literal libel, our movement is quickly approaching a critical juncture. As we grow stronger in number, more and more highly classified information is being relayed to us by whistleblowers across the nation. Expect massive leaks soon. Please be patient as you try try to figure out exactly how exactly a dead man switch is supposed to work. Birds of a feather flock together. Tower, t- 
tireless members of the Bird Brigade, we salute you. We wish to offer our congratulations to Eric Francis and all other elected officials who were inaugurated on March 16, 2021. Stay woke and remember to smile. You're on camera. So, birds aren't real. How, how do you feel about that? Not, I'm not even. There's a quote from Richard Nixon about this is a whole about ex president about this whole thing. We need a way to keep an eye on the American citizens without them knowing. It was imperative for their own safety, of course. We hired only the best. It took years. We designed, built, tested, failed. We persisted. Eventually our decades over decades we had it. A fleet of convert Covert techno- technological surveillance devices unlike anything the world had ever seen. We called them birds. 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 Read the entire history. Now we wait. This, this no, let's please pick something else. Like, I cannot give this any more publicity. Even if no one's listening, I don't. Like, this is crazy. Just crazy. Um, if you want to go to the birds aren't real. Movement, go to just type in birdsontreal.com and you can check out the website here. Uh, check it out. Birds on Real. I never knew. Are we going to wear t shirts? Yes. No. <laughs> Find some 16 credible, almost unbelievable facts about Virginia. Okay. Some of them I'm going to skip over because about the Pentagon, which I don't think is actually in Virginia. Is it in Virginia or is it um, in Washington? Is Arlington in Virginia? Yes. Yeah, okay. Virginia. All right, then I guess, let's, I guess we could talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Fine. <sighs> I wonder what the chirping sounds are. Are they like signals to the different like devices and yes, stuff? Yes, the transmission. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are they not real, like, just here? Oh. <laughs> or are they, are they are not real all over the world? All, over all, the world. all like, government? Genocide means they were all eradicated. So. Yeah, but it's the U.S. government. So, I'm like, did the U.S. government kill all birds? Yeah, all the birds. And why isn't anybody talking about all the dead birds flying, falling out the sky? Mm. It must have been covered up. To cover up. We each we each eat, read an, a... Uh, a fact, an amazing fact. Okay. Okay, how about that? All right, so Virginia accounts for one out of ten vanity plates in the nation, more than 1.2 million registered personalized plates. We have more vanity plates than there are people in the state of Rhode Island. Virginia has more than 8 million residents. That means that we have 1,262,820 specialized plates registered in the state. That's a lot of cryptic messaging, folks. All right, there you go, number two. Number two, Virginia handles 70% of the world's Internet traffic. Wow. That's interesting. Known as Silicon Valley of the East, well over half of the world's Internet traffic goes through data centers in Loudoun County. When is this? like the first time I've ever heard of it called Silicon Valley of the East. Oh, there you go. 
Uh, more than half of all U.S. residents live within 500 miles of Virginia. What? We know, oh, the East Coast is heavily populated, but Virginia is, is at the heart of it all. Most people in the country can get to Virginia within a, a day's drive, and more than 6% live within a day's drive of our capital city, Richmond. Hmm. So there you go. Monticello, Thomas Jefferson's historic home, is the only private home in the United States to be named a United Nations World Heritage Site. I remember going there when I was in school. I think I last one went there with, was with Rihanna. It was, a, it was a fun trip. The United Nations chooses its World Heritage Sites based on how they represent a masterpiece of human-created genius and exhibit an important interchange of human values. Monticello fits the bill on every count. If you haven't been, you should. I will definitely be going there again. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll, take, we'll take RJ up there. Awesome. We don't you know, think he's going to just start grabbing historical objects and smashing them on the ground. I saw a ghost when I went. Did you? Mm-hmm. I'd like to investigate up there. Virginia had... Virginia. Virginia was the site of more Civil War battles than any other state, with more than 120 major battles being fought here as an average of one major battle every 12 days throughout the war. Wow. Not counting skirmishes or other military engagements, Virginia saw 123 major battles during the war, including major, the first major engagement at Bull Run and the last battle at Appomattox Courthouse. The last the war lasted from April 1812 until April 9th, 1812. Sorry, I really cannot talk anymore. From April 12th, 1861 until April 9th, 1865, including making for 1,457 long days in between. The Pentagon is the largest office building in the world and has twice the space, the office space of the Empire State Building. With five thousand, no, 5,100,000 square feet, it's possible to get across the entire building in under 10 minutes, but only if you take shortcuts and walk quickly. But don't worry. If you can't physically make the walk, the Department of Defense provides scooters that will get you there at top speed of three miles per hour. Speaking of the Pentagon, construction on the Pentagon began on September 11, 1941. Exactly six years to the day before American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into the building during the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. Nearly 200 people died during the attack, although fortunately recent renovations had included reinforced concrete and blast-proof windows, certainly sparing hundreds of additional lives that day. Very sad. Sorry, but I've got to give you one more. The Pentagon has 68,000 miles of international telephone lines. That's enough phone line to stretch from Florida to Washington State more than 22 times. Wow, that's a lot. How, how does that even, that's crazy to think. Insane. Wow. The first quarter horse was one of the most 
one of the most popular horses in Virginia in America was bred in Virginia. Quarter horses, one of the most popular American breeds, got their start in Virginia. These horses, named for their speed on quarter mile flat tracks, trace their roots to crossbreedings of Spanish horses used by colonists in English thoroughbreds. Janus, an, inner, an English thoroughbred imported to Virginia in, Virginia in 1756, is considered one of the most important sires of the, for the breed we know it we know it today, as we know it today. The Wren Building at William and Mary is the oldest oldest college building in the U.S. Despite being gutted by fire three times, which was in 1705. 1859 and 1862, the Wren Building just keeps on keeping on. Built between 1695 and 1700, the building was the heart of the newly formed school and was simply known as the College. It was named after the famous English architect Sir Christopher Wren in 1931. In 2015, we sold 6.5 million bottles of Virginia-made wine. That's a, bottle, that's a bottle for nearly every person in the state of Massachusetts. This might be a kind of an old article, but some of them, like the, the quarter horse thing is still true. I'm not sure about the Pentagon. They may have changed that up. As the fifth highest producer of, Virginia, of wine in the nation, Virginia has more than 200, 250 wineries. Colonial Williamsburg is the world's largest living history museum. The Louvre in Paris is the world's largest museum, could fit in Colonial Williamsburg 20 times over with room to spare. Covering 301 acres, the historic area of Williamsburg includes hundreds of restored, replicated, and rebuilt structures, including homes, businesses, and political buildings. Staff members from Colonial Williamsburg Foundation work as guides and costumed interpreters to bring us the tales of colonial men and women, including black, white, Native American, slave, indentured, and free in both historical and modern-day context. Sorry, pilgrims. Virginia had the first Thanksgiving in 1619, nearly two years before the pilgrims sat down to feast at Plymouth Rock, 38 English colonists landed at Berkeley 100, site of the Berkeley Plantation. On December 4, 1619, he held a feast as a way of giving thanks to God for their safe arrival in the New World. With some of the toughest traffic laws in the nation, Virginia has more traffic lawyers per capita than any other state. In fact, we have twice as many as the next closest state, Maryland, but probably not as many as Kerala, where I seem to get yeah. all of my speeding tickets. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, this, this, that's just for you. Yes, right. Virginia ranks seventh for the most tickets issued annually. And Virginia, driving 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, will get you a reckless driving ticket which counts as a class one criminal misdemeanor that can land you in jail for up to a year and a $2,500 fine. Lee County is physically closer to eight state capitals other than its own capital in Richmond. 
Located in the southwest corner of, of the state, Lee, Count, Lee County is actually closer to Raleigh, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville, Tennessee, Charleston, West Virginia, Frankfort, Kentucky, Columbus, Ohio, and Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, than it is to the state capital of Virginia, of capital of Virginia in Richmond, go figure. So Lee County is closer to Indianapolis, Indianapolis, always, that's a hard word to say regardless of, you know, having been talking all night, than it is to Richmond. Interesting. That's crazy. That is crazy, man. This one. Sorry. Excuse me. Okay, we're worn out. You can't mm. do that you expect people to do it that. Everybody's yawning now. Good job. Yeah, this is the end of the show. The last blurb here. The last fat boy. The engine needs to read. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot. No. Okay, here we go. You ready? Virginia Beach has the longest stretch of pleasure beach in the world. In the world. With 35 miles of coastline, Virginia Beach has the Guinness World Record to prove it. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. These these shows are always fun. Like I said, I'm glad this is a free show because I am tired. Tired. Tuesday is like almost halfway through. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday left, and then the kids go home on yeah. Saturday. But this is my Saturday off, babe. Woo. Wait, wait. We got to figure out what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. We have we have uh, our friends coming out to visit. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. Because I need it. Oh, it's so thick. No, there's nothing there. Yeah, there's nothing there. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking like a pick. Okay, you guys don't care about me. I'm examining. Again, this is not this is an audio podcast, so me looking at tick bites isn't really going to... Well, I'm glad that they can't see. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be an interesting show. Oh. Finding ticks on it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll I really have no idea who's coming on the show next week, but we'll... we'll figure it out. Yeah. I will definitely figure it out, and we'll be here. Chat with him. I think it might be John Clem coming on the show next week, but I am not positive about that. So don't hold me to it. So, but next week again, five time with Jerry. We'll be back, and uh, this is it will be our Fourth of July special, our post Fourth of July special. Um. Good night. I don't really. I've never really yawned on the show this bad before. Well. Yeah. All right. Good night.